Welcome to Us Only Younger, the podcast that explores a little bit about our childhoods and the choices and challenges we made to get where we are today. Hi, welcome to Us Only Younger. I am your host, Pam, and I'm very excited to introduce you to my guest and friend, Angie Pate. Angie's a certified Grum Alliance certified team coach who focuses on continuous improvement and delivering business value through servant leadership and professional coaching principles. She is skilled in coaching agile teams, individuals, and managers to adopt agility thinking and work collaboratively and effectively. She educates executives, scrum masters, product owners, and development teams in fun and creative ways, increasing the team's ability to become more self-aware and communicate more effectively. She utilizes agile principles and values to help others shift into the agile mindset. Welcome, Angie. Hi, Pam. Thank you for having me. I am so happy you're here. I believe we met at Toyota. Is that an accurate statement? We did. That was the first interaction with you, and we shared the track stories, I believe, of what <laughs> I think so. And if I have it correct, you were working over at the headquarters, and I was. we were at Toyota Connected, so our favorite little Englishman kind of brought us together, and we started kind of finding ways to work together and help each other. Is that right? Yes, that is correct. We did. I was over at headquarters, and uh, I think we met in like the community practice or something like that. That's what it was. Yeah. And then I think you were in... It was either the Advanced Scrum Master or the Bob Galen Certified Agile Leadership Class. I know yeah. you know, weren't you in that too? I was in that too. Yes, we did that okay. together. We did those skits together, a little That's dancing. <laughs> we just keep running into each other, Angie. So this is fate as far as I'm concerned. So thank yeah. you for joining me. I am curious to know about little Angie. So I don't know any of this information. So can you tell me kind of what you were like as a, lo- a young little girl growing up? Yes, I can. Well, I was definitely a tomboy, and my niece recently told me I was dull and boring because I studied <laughs> all the time. <laughs> no. Oh, my God. Oh, yes. I was, you know, I grew up in a little town in northern Indiana called mm-hmm. Port Indiana, and it was, you know, we didn't, to give you an idea, we didn't lock our doors or anything. You know, How so cool. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, you played out in the, there was a park that was right behind my house. We played over there. You know, mm-hmm. um, my, my siblings lived not too far away. I could actually walk, you know, two or three, four blocks to get house. Okay. So, yeah, it was just, you know, kind of carefree. You know, you played out in the street and you came back when, you know, the lights came on and uh, it got dark, you know, kind mm-hmm. of typical thing you hear back then. Yeah. So my siblings were way older than me, mm-hmm. five, eight, 15, and 16. So I spent a lot of time by myself or with my niece when she visited. And okay. I was just, I loved learning. I loved school. That was my next question. I was going to say, what, what kind of a student were you, Angie? And were there any subjects that particularly stood out or spoke to you as you were growing up? Yeah. Math was one of my big things. <laughs> I always loved doing math. well you may boo the next one too english oh no english is good well you know i was thinking about this podcast funny story came to me i actually and this is probably contributes to why my niece thinks i was dull and boring i actually on a field trip during one of my classes we went bowling Mm -hmm. and instead of really bowling with everybody i sat there with my english teacher and we took sentences and diagrammed sentences and (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i still played sports and stuff like that but i I really had a passion for school and learning 
I think I should apologize to you now because I feel like I might have been one of the kids that made fun of the kids like you. Okay, so let me just say right now, I'm sorry. Everyone should get to choose their own path and you should not make fun of folks who like to study and do extra because it does pay off, right? It does pay off. But, I, you know, I, I did have balance. I did have fun. I did go out and play. It wasn't mm-hmm. like, oh, excuse me, I just drank some water and went down the wrong pipe. Oh, careful. Yeah, it wasn't like I didn't do other things, but you know, I just really liked it. I enjoyed it. It was fascinating to me. Wow. Okay. So as you're moving on from middle school to high school and so were there any kind of big situations or challenges that you remember experiencing that maybe made you move in one direction or that had some sort of major impact on you that you could share? Yeah, there's quite a few, but I think the very first one, you know, I was a software developer. I probably developed software for about 10, 11, 12 years. And then one day I woke up and I'm like, I just don't want to do it anymore. Oh, okay. And, and part of it was, and it's funny because I, I used to say I, I could program for the rest of my life. This is really great. But what happened was the the company I worked for, they were kind of a startup company and, you know, things were changing and we never really had anybody to give us requirements or anything. So, oh my God. Wait a minute. I'm getting the flashback. Okay. Hold on a minute. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, we would come in and, you know, start at eight o'clock and then 10 o'clock, somebody say, oh, the requirements have changed, you know, and then you'd start working on them. And then 1130, somebody said, oh, the requirements were changed. And then 130, 145, someone said the requirements were changed. And you go, these are the same requirements that you gave me at 10 o'clock in the morning, you know, or these are the same requirements you said were no longer valid at eight o'clock. It was driving us crazy. So I decided I was going to solve the problem by becoming a business analyst and learning how to provide requirements to my colleagues because I just didn't want them to suffer anymore. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Did you find that? I mean, that's a big switch, I would think, from going from actually coding to actually like trying to write up the requirements and provide clarity in what's needed. Yeah, I actually went and got my MBA as a result so I could shift my mindset so I would stop thinking like a technical person and think more like a business person. You are a lifetime learner, aren't you, Angie? <laughs> <laughs> wow. And just to make it worse for you, Pam, okay. um, my cousin, uh, Charles Wilson, he was a uh, he was a chemical engineer and yeah. I, I wanted to be an electrical engineer. And as soon as I got out of junior high, he took me to the library that summer before I went into a or I should say, after I got out of the elementary and when I was getting to junior high, he took me to the library and we outlined my whole curriculum for junior high and high school and what the classes I would need in order to go get into engineering school. So I had a plan. You had, yeah. it's not much, not a plan. That's like a structured strategic outlay of what, that's just amazing. Yeah. Do that that young? Yeah. And my influences were, you know, him and my brother and my sister, because they were all in college, you know, as I was growing up. So I kind of got to see college life. My cousin, he was studying at Purdue. So I got to go there during black engineering, you know. Okay. Yeah. So it was, I had all of that around me. So knowledge was always flowing in my life, you know, growing up. Okay. So now you started as that from an engineer to a business analyst. And I know Mm -hmm. that you moved over to that scrum master area and stayed for a while before being a coach. So what was the motivation for you for that, for making that change? You know, I I wanted to influence more than just like one or two teams at a time, I think. To be completely transparent, I thought, you know, at some point I want to retire and I'd like to have a profession that I would like 
actually do that I didn't think it was a profession or a job when I retire mm-hmm. because I don't want to just sit around and try to wonder and figure out what I'm going to do in retirement. I, mm-hmm. I still want to like have a reason to get up, reason to do something and still feel like it's not a job, but still actually help other people as well. Mm-hmm. And coaching seemed like a natural thing that I was doing. I didn't realize that I was doing so much coaching until my mentor, Sheree Silas, told me, you know, you're doing this, this, and this. You're just a natural at it. Mm-hmm. You're just raw. You need some training is, is what you need. So, yeah. I don't know if you know it, but I interviewed Sheree in my last podcast. Okay. So if yeah, you're anyone listening, that. if you're watching me connect the dots, there you go. Okay. Yes. Podcast, podcast. I'm sure it's awesome. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> That's great. So, so what is it that you really found that drew you and kept you in the scrum master area? And maybe what are some of the things that you've experienced that you don't like when you're filling that role? Yeah. So I think the flexibility and the freedom of just figuring things out on the fly, which is kind of the polar opposite of what I used to be when I was a business analyst and an engineer. It was like, got to follow a plan, got to have a plan, got to go step by step. Mm -hmm. And then it got to the point where as I was writing requirements and coming to the point where the engineers weren't even reading them, you know, mm-hmm. I'd find the stuff that they said that they couldn't find or they needed. And, you know, they still would either figure not do what was requested or figure it out on their own and do it a different way and, and so mm-hmm. forth. So I'm like, yeah, this agile thing is, is pretty good. Cause it's, you know, it tells you interaction over documentation. I'm like, I'm all for that. Cause I see the documentation piece is not working. I, mm-hmm. you know, so and then with the Scrum Master and helping people to think differently and doing that approach and, and not confine themselves to what they've been confined to before, or what they thought and, and trying different ways, that was just appealing to me in terms of, of doing that. But, you know, the frustrating thing for me with being Scrum Master is people not really understanding the role and mm-hmm. defining it differently in each organization and, and confusing with, with being a project manager, which... God bless project managers. I bet this is something I cannot do. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the, my favorite line that Nigel in, starts his presentations with is he says he's a, a recovering project manager as if it was something he had to break away from. It's kind of funny. Yeah. I, I I've never been a project manager. I've worked with many of them. I'm just mm-hmm. like, oh, it's just too tedious. I just can't. I don't want to. I don't want to have to control all of that stuff. I remember one person said, when you become a manager, you need to determine what type of manager. Are you a manager of time or productivity? And the project managers I knew were my time. Time. And and I I just, I'm like, that seems like a lot of work. And I want to work less than that. Yeah. You know, I actually was a project manager for almost 10 years. And there are moments I wake up and I remember actually saying things like, okay, where are we on this? Okay, how about now? And like, when do you think it'll be done? And it's like I said it over and over and over. And I reported on it eight different ways. And then I had to be the person, well, yeah, it's actually not going to be done then. And here's the reasons why. And I had to keep saying that over and over. And I just thought, this is a lot of stress. This is a lot of stress. Sounds like a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. It's so much more freeing to me to say, well, what is possible? Let's Mm -hmm. focus on that. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Instead of worrying about, are we there yet? Like that that reminds me of the drives in the car, you know, the South and Louisiana and the Mm -hmm. the family reunions and stuff. Are we there yet? yet? (laughs) It's just 
it's just annoying. Yeah. So you've worked with a lot of other scrum masters and I want to know, because you talked about one of the things that bothers you is people not understanding the role. What bothers you perhaps about scrum masters that you've met that makes you feel like somehow they're not setting us up for success? There's something or some way they're moving in the world that's sort of giving off an impression that we don't want other people to have. Do you have anything like that? I do. They are the followers of the scrum guide, but they really don't know and understand the intention behind the scrum mm. guide or the agile values and principles. Okay. So there are like the purists. Mm. If you mm-hmm. that. And that's, I was recently working with another company and they didn't understand my style of coaching because they go, the other coaches that we've had there before, they said we had to do it this way. And I was going, well, how would you like to do it? What do you think is the best way? You know, what would you like to try? Hmm. And they're like, well, we have to do it this way. I'm like, well, what makes you say that? You know, and and, <laughs> and they, they were just baffled by that, that mm-hmm. they actually, there wasn't a plan. You know, they didn't mm. have to actually do it step by step. And they always kept saying, well, what does best practices say? What does best practices yeah. say? And I go, mm-hmm. you know, I don't use that term. I go, there are common approaches that people use. Okay. They're not necessarily best practices because every organization, every team within an organization, every individual within an organization is different. And that's mm. that's the beauty of agile. Is right. that you can personalize it. And that's the hatred of agile because mm. there is no straight path. You yeah. know, there is no right. know, playbook, if you will. Right. You have to do what works for your organization. Right, right, right. So it's the purists that say it has to be done X, Y, and Z versus let's explore and let's make it, you know, G, F, and Y. Right. (laughs) Yeah, that's really good. I like that. So I know there may be people listening who have young kids and children who don't necessarily want to be an engineer or technical, but may have those social skills and are trying to find themselves. Do you have any tips or recommendations for them? Maybe things they can look for to encourage their kids to move into this space or, you know, things that they can, as a person, you may be in your career wondering, you know, I want to do something else. What kind of person would you recommend maybe even consider trying to move into this space? Yeah. Well, first of all, I'd say let explore, explore what you like. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I say I'm developer, business analyst. I was even a product manager and people were telling me, oh, you're a good product manager. <laughs> yeah it just didn't feel comfortable it just didn't feel right i just Mm -hmm. i I had more anxiety than anything else you know Mm. that role i totally idolize that role i wish i felt more comfortable they don't but keep trying things and oddly enough i i had an hr person who told me that i would be a good consultant or good coach and i was like "Eh, i don't want to be that you know and then here i am you know But what she saw in me was that desire to help people and that desire to explore and the creativity and, you know, wanting to just, you know, try different things and having ideas, you mm-hmm. know, giving people that ability to think and see things from a different lens, which is really kind of what you need if you want to go into coaching. And the biggest thing is to let go of your ego, you know. Mm. Wait, I'm sorry. Could you say that again, please? Yes. Let go of your ego. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes is when limit or when ego is lost, limit is lost. Ooh. Oh, yeah. that's good. So okay. you let go of that ego. You start thinking about things from a different perspective. And, and it's not about me. It's about what we're trying to accomplish. 
then you can accomplish anything. I mean, uh, it's, it's it's fascinating. You, you know, when you when you let that go and just start focusing on what's important. Wow, it, it's just, good. Yeah, it, it, I love it. Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say I don't think I can close any better way than with your last quote. That was just fantastic. So Angie, it's been great talking to you, and, and thank you very much for joining me on my podcast. Thank you for having me, Pam. I appreciate it. And if you ever want me to come back, I'd be more than happy to do so. Count on it.